Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. In this week's episode, we are talking to the stars of Everybody's Talking About Jamie. They are Josie Walker and John McRae. Welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. I'm here in the bar with John McCree and Josie Walker from Everybody's Talking About Jamie. And I've bought you, as I always bring everybody I interview, um, usually it used to be cupcakes, but I haven't bought you cupcakes. I've bought you something different. I've never had these before. (gasps) Cannoli. Oh, Josie knows immediately what they are. Mm. Perhaps do you want to share that with us? Cannoli. I only know them from Desperate Housewives of New Jersey, or Real Housewives of New Jersey. They eat a lot of cannoli. I saw them on Bake Off. Look at this. But I didn't know they were called cannolis. Cannoli. Well, I just got them from Pompeii up the road. They look... Oh, Pompey. Beautiful. Um, anyway. I'm uh, glad I've only eaten half of my cake. Yeah, so exactly. I See, I saw that Josie had already bought cake with her, but you take one of these and pop it on your... I love pistachios. Um, no, so I there's grab. two pistachio ones. That's chocolate. Oh, and that's take the pistachio hazelnut, one, I think, I think is the so other one. Anyway, the there you go. This will fill you up before your evening performance. Thank you very much. I do. And, uh, that's that's my pleasure. I hope I hope. Well, we hope we all enjoy them. <laughs> anyway, um, as I said, you are both starring in Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Um, John described in the Guardian as silvery voiced and scissor legged. Wow! I, did you read that? Sizz- I didn't. No, I haven't. We- no, not read the review. Don't you can read. read tell you what, you can read this I one. Have. Five star review. Uh, no, I haven't read any, but that is very. Um, that's very sweet and very specific. It, it, well, I, yeah, I thought that. Um, scissor-legged. Scissor-legged's good. A, it is good, isn't it? good, yeah. It's a good description of those power legs. Power pins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and really long legs as well, I noticed when envious. I saw the production. Incredible legs. Much mm. <laughs> Yes. They, they're beautiful. You didn't get them from me. Um, <laughs> beautiful legs. Um, now, we talked on, um, on our magic uh, musicals and theatre podcasts. We talked to Dan Gillespie Sells and Tom McRae mm. um, about the show before it opened, actually. I remember listening. So, um, we, and I don't know that we had any idea. I mean, obviously, hopeful of the success that it would mm. be, but did you think, oh my word, we're on to an absolute winner here? Or um, Well, we've been workshopping it since 2014. So I think that we had a magical time together, all of us. And we knew that it would happen at some point at Sheffield, but we didn't realise that so quickly we'd be in town and everything else that seems to be happening with it. Everybody's talking about Jamie and sharing the love and it seems to be galvanising and picking up speed and it's just the most amazing ride so far. It is. It's like a train, mm, isn't yeah. it? It's like a yeah, it's unstoppable. train that started and now it's zoomed down to London, and it's and um, and and it's it's just incredible. The show, for for those who haven't seen it, basically centres around the, the story of of Jamie, played by John, who I mean, in a nutshell, wants to go to his school prom in a dress. But it's it's about an awful lot more. It, it explores quite a lot of complicated ideas, I think, about sexual politics, about uh, celebration of difference. Um, yeah. I think, you know, Joe Cox would be proud. We have more in common than that which divides us, I suppose, is, is sort of mm. one of the messages that comes out of it. But uh, talking about the sexual politics side, um, I met Dan again the other day, and we were talking about how specific the show is in the difference between drag and transvestism and yeah. 
and how important he feels that is to be specific and not generalized yeah really specific and um i guess our story is slight i would i don't know if i necessarily um would describe them as sexual politics perhaps more just about gender and identity because what's really interesting for me from from my standpoint is that we i'm playing an openly gay character but we never discuss that's never a topic of of conversation his sexuality it's all about his identity and who he is as a person that aside um but yeah as rupaul says he often talks about how you know transgender people take identity very seriously they identify as transgender people or as you know females and drag what it sort of does is sort of mocks identity in a different way it's sort of they're shapeshifters they they can do they can do lots of different things and i think that's a very i think if, from people who don't have the biggest knowledge of it often clump everything in one group but it's there's so many different categories and so many sort of subcultures within everything mm. and that's we what we we're just diving into one thing which is drag and nothing more nothing less he doesn't want to become a woman he doesn't he even says it in the play his best friend asks him do you want to be a woman he says no i want to be a boy who sometimes wants to be a girl mm. just sometimes that's mm. all mm. and it's about expressing himself through clothing and makeup it's it's nothing to do with um sort of an inner yearning to be a female mm. it's interesting because there's been so much in the news recently about about that, about transgender, about mm. gender fluidity and, yeah. and, and, and all of that. And, and whilst this show, as you say, actually isn't about that, also I think what, what struck me was there is, um, there's no shame from Jamie. Mm-mm. And I think that's a really important message to, to get through mm-hmm. because so many so-called gay plays are about shame Mm. about an an element of falling in love yeah yeah none of those things and there isn't any any of that in it it's about him him being i mean there is there is uh there is an element of shame in the the drag aspect of it but it's never anything to do with his sexuality he was openly out at school about the age of like 13 14 and all of his friends are fully aware of that all his family are and of course, we should add this is based on a on a true story. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, I think I don't I don't know how much of um, that stuff is is we we kind of Josie and I. You can probably talk more about this, but we did a lot of work on the characters before we'd met Jamie and Margaret. Yeah, I mean, the writers had met Jamie and Margaret, and they discussed the script with the, presented them with the script, and they read it. Um, but as far as John and I were concerned, the uh, the first workshop we hadn't watched the documentary, and we hadn't. Um, we hadn't met Jamie and Margaret, and then we met Jamie and Margaret on the first night of uh, the first performance of uh, of Jamie and Sheffield. When and it was a full call. production. Yeah, yeah. And that's so we the didn't first meet time you met them. Then. Yeah, but, and, and again, I think when we've met them, it's not to d- discuss their character. Um, especially for me, I think Margaret is... She likes to stand in the wings. You know, she pushes Jamie forward, and she's all about Jamie, supporting Jamie and loving him. Um, from afar in a way you don't get to see what she feels you just see glimmers of what she's feeling in the documentary but it's not explored and it's not something that she wants to share so we're very respectful of that and um, we've just sort of taken poetic license with with her storyline really and and um, and give her a, a few more flaws because she says two things I never I never lied to Jamie um and I, uh, my character does. She hides the truth about his father from him. And the other one is... 
I've forgotten. <laughs> uh, it'll but, come back to me. So yes, because I mean, I suppose we say it is a it is a play inspired by that story. Yeah. Rather, than, I mean, you know, most recently we had the girls in in West End based mm. on the Calendar Girls, and the real Calendar Girls were there, you know, and that was a big issue. But in the in this play, it doesn't seem quite so much. Yeah. You, you're not actually portraying them; you're portraying characters no, inspired um, by them. We've sort of moved location, and we've set yeah. it now as well. So obviously, he went to school prom in a dress in 2000. 13 was yeah. it 2012 whereas we've set our play in 2000 well it was 17 when we did it in Sheffield but I wonder if it was 18 now but it's you know it's up to date and we're in Sheffield he's from County Durham so there are differences but there were also similarities One, we learnt there were similarities in what we'd done after we met them there were you know parallels mm-hmm. but that was never the intention from our from the actor's point of view it yeah. was sort of what we just made of the script. I think when I watched the documentary, I thought I wanted to play more of that Margaret because she is so inspirational. And um, the other point was that she uh, she never said Jamie was a mistake. She would never say that. And I, when I sing the song, He's My Boy, I say, my perfect mistake. And uh, there is, there is a, a simplicity to the way she loves, but it is the way to love. You know, and I think that's what touches so many people when they come and see the show because when you love someone and you accept them a hundred percent for who they are and you support them, then they blossom, they bloom, and they can go out into the world. They have that grounding underneath them. They have that love underneath them. That's their foundation. So, whatever happens after that, that's what is inside them. That their mother or whoever accepted them, loved them didn't ever say to them that anything was wrong, didn't bat an eyelid at anything he comes out with or dresses or his sexuality, nothing fazed her. She was just there to pave the way for him. Well, certainly when I saw the show um, not all that long ago, the, 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 the audience was packed, I mean, with quite a lot of young people who were just who were really there to get behind a cause. Yeah. It was more than just coming to see a show in, in the West End and seeing yeah. what they felt about it. Mm. They knew what it was about. Uh-huh. They were ready for it before they came. Mm. Yeah. And I wonder if you've seen that in the audience kind of change as, as the plays got better known and everyone knows what it's about, if you've found your audiences kind of changing to this kind of um, supportive... It certainly feels a bit cheering. like a movement, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, it has is a testament to, I think, a lot of the audience members sat there going, that's me on stage. And I think, I think, I don't know if young people have been represented so honestly in such a long time in theatre. Mm-hmm. And I think the diversity of our cast speaks to that, you know, the, the, the universal aspect of sort of working out who you are at such a tumultuous age. I think young people sit there and go, I understand that and I know, and I don't know if, I don't know where else at the moment they could go and find that on stage. And I'm, I think we're all so happy to be yeah. carrying the torch for them. Not just the kids, the adults too. Yeah, I think because it is so positive as well, the show, um, it moves really, really quickly. It speaks through a pop vernacular. Um, Dan Gillespie sells songs are incredible. Um, and they're not just sort of catchy um, pop tunes. They are, you know, there's an awful lot of layers to his music and his references. So um, I think that... It just speaks to them. It speaks to an awful lot of people. Kids are enjoying listening. <laughs> We're listening We're to listening the radio. We're listening to the radio, making very loud noises. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
I think kids, what surprises me most at stage door when I see kids um, is the way they talk about their moms. Um, because it seems to have an instant effect on them. And, uh, they see their mother, what their mother's been through and how their actions affect her. And it seems to ha have an instant effect on the, the way they respond to her. They either want to bring her um, or they want to go home and be different to her. Um, oh, isn't that bring interesting? Her, bring her to the show. Bring her to the show. Yeah, or other parents want to bring their kids to the show, and they say, "I've got a um, mother's turn up and say I've got a gay son. I need to bring him to see the show." And yes, it must work from both ways, mustn't it? That, that mothers seeing perhaps how yeah. they could be different, but, then, oh, but also kids seeing yeah. how they could be different, which I don't think many people would think yeah. of as a message yeah because, because you think the mother was, would get it but maybe not the kids but well yeah we see jamie uh, we have a scene um, before the song he's my boy and jamie is very upset with his mother um because he finds out that she has been keeping uh, uh secrets from uh from him about his father she's basically been sending him birthday cards and and saying um, your dad's going to be here at a certain time, but she's covering for him because he's he d he's not interested in Jamie. He wants to pull out of his life, and she's trying to protect him. And you know, wisely or unwisely, makes the decision to keep that storyline going. But then he finds out himself because he goes and finds his father and finds that his mother's been lying to him. And so it's a very upsetting scene because the audience have built up a relationship with Margaret and Jamie, and they're. Yeah wonderful together you know the the chemistry anyway is natural between us but it's it's beautifully written between the pair of them mm. and to see them break apart is very very upsetting to watch and so kids see that they see that's my behavior they see jamie leaving um the house in a storm and then they see the aftermath of what a mother feels and what she feels about her child and it really t I, I just never thought that it would touch them as much as it does but it does it touches the the kids as much as the adults and the older generation mm. as well well it was it was great to be in an audience that felt as 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 um, john said like a, a like a movement was happening mm. um and it but a joyous movement and that yeah. that's what that was what was lovely about it's not a feeling of anger it's a it's a pure joy mm. whooping and whooping and cheering so john you're only mm. 25 yes and uh, now jamie in the in the show is 16, 16. but let's say you say you're 25 and it's hard to believe because you look oh, you're not much you. younger <laughs> I, I suspect you're going to be one of those people that can play peter pan when you're 45 we've got but one of those in the cast haven't we i think it's you yeah <laughs> it's not me actually both of you could play yeah anyway um you both look you both look much younger than your years but but john you went to you you knew from the very beginning you wanted to be an actor you you mm. went to, to sylvia young I did. you went to went to stage school yes it was and fantastic it was honestly one of the best decisions i ever made well, obviously, I was very young. But how um, old were you when you went? To I went out? when I was twelve. I decided I wanted to be an actor when I was eight, and I, mm -hmm. went to I pursued it at Sylvia's when I was twelve. And it's just honestly the most wonderful institution, and it teaches you so much about professionalism and doing the work and sort of, you know, it's a strange thing for a child to be treated like an adult in 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 professional environments, but it teaches you an awful lot, and I um, attribute a lot of what I hopefully do well within this company to to sylvia young mm -hmm. and the sort of 
you know, it's really hard work and you have to take it really seriously because it's sort of that fame speech where they go, no, this is where you start paying in sweat because it's not just a, it's not just a frolic in the park. It's really, if you decide you want to do this, then it's going to be really hard and they let you know and and I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's, there's discipline and, and yeah. all of those things you have to learn and also, obviously, to sing and dance and act. Yes, all that fun be, stuff as well, to, be, to do that as yeah. a kid and not have to do maths on a, Wednesday, on a Thursday <laughs> and Friday because you can, you can do drama class. It's amazing. Now, Josie, you... Um, you sing in this amazingly. I gather you you took extra singing lessons. I did. You yeah. Did this. Well, you'd been in Matilda, so you'd been, you'd already done. Yeah. Done I mean, musicals. I didn't go down the drama school route, but I did have, you not at all? No, no. But I did go. I, I've I, when I've needed it, I've gone to. I've, uh, I've sought people out that I admire. Mm-hmm. To um, so to, how did you get into acting without doing the drama school? Um, I was interested. I came to London. I'd met I'd met some people along the way who um, were already working in London, and I think when I got to about sixteen, seventeen, I decided that I wanted to sing, in some way, form or other. Um, not, nobody in my family. Uh, they're all comedians in my family. Oh, are they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, professional comedians. Yeah. Are, are they? Yeah. Yeah. So there was there were no musical theatre performers, but I was a big listener of Elaine Page and the like, and. Um, and kind of had aspirations for that, but didn't know how to get there. And I sang, I sang a lot. And then I did it like a drama foundation course in uh, Lytham St. Anne's, where I, we were living at the time. And that was your A-levels, and then you did a bit of drama on the side. But right. it, there were no qualifications or anything, and it was very much starting out then. And then everybody started going to drama school and um, just couldn't afford it, you know just mm-hmm. couldn't afford it um and my family kind of didn't want me to go to london so early as well at the 17 18 so i went and worked on the cruise ships for a while did you what yeah. did you do on the cruise ships i, I love was a, cruise like a production ship. singer yeah were you actually talking about this this morning yeah which, li- which cruise line it's at the bottom of the sea now unfortunately it was <laughs> it was called the oceanos um, and it was a, a Greek cruise liner. Right. Yeah, it's the mm. one, if anyone remembers in the news, where mm. the captain got off mm. first and left everyone mm. to it. Mm. Yeah. I he, think he we said, all know about that one. I said abandoned ship, and that means abandoned ship. And it was like, no, but not you, though. You're supposed but to But you stay. weren't on the ship when that happened. No, it just happened the year afterwards. Right. Um, yeah. So it wasn't anything to do with any of my performances. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I came home and the p- people that I'd met on the ship said you'd have to, if you want to sing and go to London, you'll have to go to London. Mm-hmm. And so I just started going for cattle calls, as they call them, and got my first job, which was Matador with Stephanie Powers and John Barrowman. I was number 924 in the line up for the and started queuing up at eight o'clock in the morning. And did you get your equity card on the cruise ship? I got my so equity, they give you card, an equity card, yeah, from remember. the cruise ship, and yeah, working yeah. very, so very hard for it. Yeah. I got my yeah. provisional equity, and then yeah. I had my full equity, yeah. and still got my equity. Been there, done it. Yeah, yes. um, and then I, I was very lucky because that was, you know, a nice little run, and we went into. I went into Sound of Music after that, and then Phantom of the Opera, and it just kept going. So then you were show yeah. hopping, as yeah. they call it. And so I one. had a singing teacher for Phantom of the Opera, a lady called Jenny O'Grady, who was amazing. Um, but she's more of a, she's moved into the side of um, organising orchestras and singers for films now. So she doesn't teach anymore. And so when I was looking for a teacher, 
I thought, who's the best and who's my favourite? And that is Claire Moore, um, who I spent most of my 20s trying to be. And I think that she had an influence on my voice more than anybody else because I just listened to her because I couldn't afford the singing lessons as well so much. I would emulate her sound. She has an amazing belt sound and then a, a soprano and there's no difference between the two. No break. Yeah, yeah, there's no break. So I used to practice to Miss Saigon every day to her. And so very starstruck the first few <laughs> meetings with her and still jump and smile when her name, Claremore, full name, comes up on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, she's incredible. So that uh, she really unlocked some sticky patches for me within this because I hadn't done a, a musical where I'm using my own voice for a while. Yes, I, I heard you said that you'd, you'd sung more as a character before. And yeah, now Matilda this is kind of, was like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yes, which is different. It is, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's and a lot of screaming. Singing as, <laughs> as you. Um, and so going forwards, I mean, Jamie, presumably this show's going to go on for, we don't know. Who knows? How long. Hopefully. But, and, and I, I can't imagine... John, I can't imagine anybody else doing that part. I don't really know how that would ever work because you kind of just are it. I mean, oh. and you're so central to mm. the piece. I think that- there are so many people out there that can do it, though, and that hopefully they get the chance. Every year, we've got people being pumped out of musical theatre colleges around London who will be perfect. Well, I know there is so. incredible talent around yeah. now. And I mean, I, young, young talent, yeah. far more talented than people were when, well, or far better taught perhaps than than Mm. and my dream is to see somebody else take on the role I would you know because then your work sort of is immortalised beyond you you know because it's fair I can never as I can't watch myself do it Mm. and I would love to see the show as as a whole Mm. production yeah and so what do you well both of you really see looking looking forwards I mean how long do you think you'll stay with this and and well I'm contracted what sort of work are you interested in doing after uh, um I'm contracted until October I was quite a long time away yes (laughs) but I would actually like to I would really like to do a play um because you explore so much of um uh, a character's emotions in a musical through song so um, you know there's there's sort of a lot of stuff that does go unspoken and I would be really interested in sort of discovering that through a text point through a text standpoint more than more than mm-hmm. singing it's also really hard doing eight shows a week yeah. vocally there's a lot of hard work involved in maintenance what about you Josie? <laughs> um, well uh I've never really had the luxury of choosing what I'm going to do next. I would like to have a break um, because I live by the seaside now. And oh, do you? Yeah, I'd like to do some seaside things, learn to paddleboard. Um, so have some time off and see I what happens. I tried it once. It could end up like the cruise ship. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it is hard, isn't it? But I really want to learn how to do it. You want so to start on very, very smooth water. Yeah, that's my... Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. To start my dad had a terrible accident with yeah. that. Oh. He's 77, so that's not advisable. Um, yeah, I will be learning to paddleboard next. Okay, well, that's not the normal answer that we get from people when I ask what, what they, where they feel they're going up. Paddleboarding yeah. has not been in our list. We'll see, so, we'll see. Well, I was going to ask how you both of you sort of relax when you're not doing... I know eight shows, shows a week, mostly how people relax is they go to sleep. But, um, but clearly, Josie, you love the, the seaside life and yeah. the outside life and the Yeah, I'm a keen walking. horse rider. Are you? Yeah. Have you so, got a horse? No, not yet. Mm-hmm. 
Not yet, but I've only been riding properly for two years, seriously. Oh, and it's a new thing. Um, I've ridden sort of all my life, but I, n- I haven't really got to the standard where I can manage by myself and, and jump and... And we're talking yeah. event, eventing, dressage, I don't think, no, I don't like competition. Work. I just okay. want to, you know, I think it's, it's like yoga, because I love yoga as well. You could, it's a lifetime... Um, pursuit and you just get you know you go with your own standards like acting you know I enjoy uh, being in competition with myself in in anything um I don't believe in competition um beyond that right but you could do a bit of a team chase course or something somewhere it's 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 fun to do with it go out for a ride with people but you know I don't really enjoy the pressure of competition no I'm completely with you yeah I like to do that riding thing, and when they all go over the jump, I go around the side. I think yeah, that, do what that's, you want. You know. yeah. <laughs> uh, John, what, what, what are your hobbies? Um, I like to cook. Very good. And I recently got a puppy, so that keeps me pretty busy. And what sort of puppy? He's a Labradoodle Cockapoo mix, and his name is Winston, and he's apricot colour. Oh. And he's downstairs in my dressing room as no. we speak. How so if you'd like to meet him on the yeah. way out, you're more I than would, welcome. He loves visitors. I would very definitely. Um, well, he just comes to work with me. voice now. Yes, ever. Sorry, how old did you say when he's, he was? Well, he was born in January, so he's about two months old. And oh. this is, I mean, I just think this is the perfect time to just talk about this uh, being the ultimate dream job. Like, this is the job of my dreams. Yeah. And I have a puppy in my dressing room. Uh, and I don't want any of the listeners to be jealous, but I mean, yeah. it can't get any better than this. So, yeah. so actually, to answer your to question, you. what I want to do next, I'm not sure it can get any better than this. I so don't, I don't, I might just give up. Either. I might just yeah, give up after just, this. I think I'll I'll be you. <laughs> I'd like to be John McCree. Well, whatever happens, the best of luck. Thank it's been you. lovely talking thank to you. you. It really has. It's been thank you Thanks so much. Very much. I'm Alice Arnold, and that was the Musicals and Theatre Podcast. If you enjoyed that, then you can hear me every Saturday and Sunday morning from 6 till 10 on Mellow Magic, where I have lots of lovely, timeless, relaxing classics, musical numbers and interviews. 